All right, uh, with our offering, as you know, the box is at the back. If you have a you can drop it off back there. Otherwise, the electronic ways you're mostly familiar with, I'm sure, but you can head to meadowbrook.ca and all of the ways that you can find it are up there. Um, and so you can give in that way. Thank you as you give today. You can turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 if you have a Bible and uh, pull out your phone or your tablet, your device, or your old school paper Bible, which I still have and still use. 2 Corinthians 3, and just another couple of quick announcements as we go today. Starting next Sunday, it is our Thanksgiving offering. We do this every year around Thanksgiving, and we set an ambitious target that we have prayed about. We set a few different categories that we are giving to. We challenge everybody to pray about it, to seek the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me give as we seek to dig a little deeper, to do a little more sacrificial giving as we reach these targets together. And we do it at Thanksgiving because we are thankful. We are grateful for all that the Lord has done. And so out of that gratitude, we always want our giving to be out of that gratitude. And so at Thanksgiving, at Thanksgiving we just uh, like the tradition of rallying together, of joining together as a church family, of having a common cause, and of giving together to hit this target. And so we have set a target of $100,000 this year, and the areas that we are giving to are our budget, our church budget, our missionaries who we support, and then our community meal program. And so we we have done this for a number of years where uh, Susan has led teams to partner with uh, a weekly meal for those who are in need in our community. Last year, we decided, why don't we just pay for it? And so uh, we have contributed money to that. And so you, through the giving from last Thanksgiving offering, um, have paid for over 1,700 meals so far this year in our community. And that need has only gone up. Yeah, that's worth applause for sure. Just because of inflation, because of the, the difficulties of the pandemic and everything, the need has only gone up. And so we decided we want to target those community meals again. So we will send out uh, an email this week just with some instructions just on how you can give to the different areas and designate it. Uh, but please be praying about that and please be joining with us. So that will start next Sunday and we are excited to do that together. Uh, next Sunday as well is Mission Sunday. We will have Eric Rose with us from Gain. We haven't had Eric with us uh, in a few years. And so Eric is one of the missionaries families with his wife Julia that we support and they are involved in projects all over the world and he will be sharing that with us next Sunday which is awesome. Another a couple things we just want to draw attention to as we get ready to get into the word. We've been taking time this fall to highlight different ministries of the church. We are challenging you if Meadowbrook is your home church find a place to serve somewhere. Uh, we are all enjoying the service today because many, many, many people are serving us right now. All of our midweek stuff that happens happens because volunteers are serving. And so if this is your home church, we are challenging you to find a place to serve somewhere. Don't just come and take all the serving for yourself. Find a place to give back. That's the only way that it works. So we are still looking for some help uh, in the kids' ministry area if you uh, are, have been praying about that. Um, things over the various weeks, and so we are going to highlight Xavier's ministries today, so you can take a look here at this video. Hi, I want to take some time this morning to share with you about some of the ministries that we are highlighting this month. The first ministry I want to tell you about is the AV or audio video team. Every week when we come together on Sundays, whether we attend in person or if you are watching from home, it takes a team of dedicated and skilled volunteers to make it all happen. And we are blessed with a tremendous AV team that works hard to run the Sunday services with excellence so that when we gather on Sundays, we may do so without any distraction and so that we may be fully focused on what God is doing when we meet. So there are three different sections that make up the AV team. The first one is projection. The projection team runs everything you see on the screens in the room, slides, worship lyrics, and videos. Thanks to the projection team, we can engage visually with the sermons, we can follow along during worship, we can take in important content and information through videos, and much more. The second one is sound. The sound team runs everything you hear during the service, whether it's people speaking, worship, and videos, both in the room and online. Thanks to the sound team, we're able to absorb everything that happens from the front during our services. And lastly, we have the live stream team. Over the last two years, our Sunday services went live online, and our live stream services are now a big part of how people engage and stay connected with Meadowbrook, and also a big part of how new people hear about Meadowbrook. Thanks to the live stream team, we can stay connected with Meadowbrook even when we can't attend in person, and people in our community can hear about us. So we are looking for people who are able to join and serve on the AV team. Right now, the AV team is made up of a handful of volunteers who each are serving almost every Sunday, and so we need some help on the team. 
You don't have to be a tech expert to serve on the team. And all we are looking for is people who are comfortable around technology and who have a desire to serve. Our goal is to bring some much needed help and relief on the AV team by building a larger team. If we can make that happen, the commitment to serve on the team would be serving once every few weeks. So if that sounds like you, please come see us in the lobby after the service. One more ministry I want to talk about this morning is the trustees team. We are blessed with a great building, and over the years, we have had many people help maintain and look after the building. So we are looking for a few individuals who can serve on the trustees team. If you're someone who is handy and you have some knowledge on how to make simple and small repairs, we would love to have you on the team. Being on the trustees team requires very little time commitment, and we're all blessed through the service of the trustees. So if that sounds like you, please come see us in the lobby after the service. We hope to see you there. Thanks to Xavier. And uh, yeah, in the AV, um, Xavier was mentioning like Mike Nichols has pretty much single-handedly been doing the projection for years at this point. Um, and we've just added one more person, which is awesome. But Xavier would jump in to help from time to time, and Jeff would jump in to help. But Mike has been doing this for years by himself, and Joseph has been doing the video for years all through the pandemic. The reason you could watch at home was because of Joseph. And again, Xavier was jumping in to help. So we really want to relieve these guys, and it's honestly, I know the AV thing might sound big. If you can manage a social media page, we can teach you how to do this. It's not actually that hard. And so, uh, and I know you're all on social media, so no excuses on that front. So we really are so grateful to Mike, so grateful to Joseph, so grateful for Xavier and in, in overseeing it, and, and on the sound team for Brian, who's so faithful, and we'd love to add a couple more sound guys if we can have that too. Um, but if that's you, and, and if that's not you, again, if you're not serving somewhere, find a place to serve. Find a way to contribute, just as many are contributing for your sake this morning. We also have another video we want to show you, and then we'll get into the word. Um, just something exciting that has come out. Uh, Xavier has been working very hard on this, and uh, we've realized over the last number of years that media is something we need to be investing in, and that's just part of where our culture is at, and so this becomes a great place where we can meet people with Jesus, and so Xavier's been working hard on this over the last year, and uh, we can show that video next, Mike. Did you know that you can connect with Meadowbrook Church through various online and digital platforms? These are powerful and practical tools designed to help you integrate with church life at Meadowbrook. Some of these online and digital tools include the Meadowbrook Church website, which is loaded with features and info on who we are, our Facebook page and Instagram profile, where you can stay up to speed with everything going on and coming up at Meadowbrook, our YouTube channel, where you can watch our Sunday services live or later, our Spotify and Apple podcasts, where you can listen to our sermons and listen to the worship songs we sing at Meadowbrook. Audio sermons, where you can listen to our sermons if you are not on a podcast platform. Giving, which you can do online through our website. Email subscriptions, such as the Weekend Update and Prayer Partners, which go out weekly. The MB Youth and MB Kids social media platforms, for everything you need to know about our kids and youth ministries. Right Now Media, an online resource we offer to Meadowbrook attendees, which is full of great digital content to study God's Word. Our church directory, available for church attendees and which helps you stay connected to others at Meadowbrook. All of these resources are available and accessible to everyone at Meadowbrook. But we want to take things one step further to simplify and streamline how you engage with Meadowbrook online. To that end, we are introducing the Meadowbrook Church app. The Meadowbrook Church app has been intentionally designed to bring all of our digital content to one single platform where you can enjoy everything Meadowbrook has to offer online in one place. With the new Meadowbrook app, you can watch our Sunday services live online. And you can take notes while you're watching and then save and download your notes. You can watch previous services or you can listen to previous services. You can give online. When you give online, you can make a one-time donation or you can set up a regular donation. You can sign up or register for events and all the resources available at Meadowbrook. 
you can take sermon notes during the service, which you can download and save for later. You can access the Weekend Update, our weekly newsletter with updates on everything going on at Meadowbrook. You can connect with our kids and youth programs. You can access the Bible in the app so you can follow along during the service. You can access our social media platforms. You can access our sermons and worship podcasts. You can access church resources such as Right Now Media and the Church Directory. And the best thing about the app, it's free. Search Meadowbrook Church in the App Store or the Play Store to download and enjoy the app for yourself. It's everything Meadowbrook Church in your pocket. So good. So that, uh, we were really hoping it would be ready today. There was a delay in the App Store that uh, we're just still working through. So it should be this week. We'll send out an email this week and let you know when you can download that. But uh, Xavier's been working hard on that for a year at this point just to get it already, designing it and working with the developers and stuff. And so it's so good. We've been fooling around with it for the last couple of months and kind of beta testing. It's so nice to have everything just in one spot. It's very cool. And so much thanks to Xavier uh, for working on that for us and putting that all together. Uh, All right, let us get to the word of the Lord now this morning. So we have been taking some time to unpack our vision. We have uh, been working on this for a couple of years, just clarifying our vision. We didn't feel like it was necessarily a a great, bold, new direction necessarily, as much as it was clarifying uh, what is important to us and where we are going and and how we are choosing to engage with that. And so if you've missed any of the messages, you can catch up online. Uh, There will be four altogether. And so this is week three at this point. And so uh, our, our vision statement that was voted in at the annual meeting this past year is upward, inward, outward, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. And so uh, we like the upward, inward, outward piece because we really want to be focusing here at Meadowbrook about growing, about maturing, about becoming more like Jesus. And so we see that as moving in three directions. And there's these are just some spatial words to kind of help us visually picture this, that we are growing upwardly in our connection, our communion, our knowledge, our growth in him. We are maturing in our walk with Jesus. As that happens, we are maturing inwardly. We are being changed. We are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And as that happens, we are moving more and more outwardly. Love of neighbor, love even of enemy, Jesus calls us to. Serving, evangelism, all of those sorts of things. And so we are wanting to be growing upward and growing inward and growing outward. They all work together. There's no one that we can really live without. If you pull one of the blocks out of the Jenga or the whole thing falls down. Uh, so we believe these three things are crucial to us. They are all working together. And at Meadowbrook, we are here to help you in this journey. We're helping people take their next steps with Jesus. You are ultimately responsible for your own spiritual life. I can't do it for you but I am here to help. I am here to come alongside. The rest of the church is here to cheer you on. And so there's an element of our walk with Jesus that we all need to own on our own. And yet there is also an element that we are doing it together and we are encouraging one another and we are on this journey together. But we all need to to own our own piece of this. And so we are wanting to grow in these directions. We don't need to have everything figured out in the spiritual journey. We don't need to have the whole thing mastered right away, but we're just trying to figure out what are my next steps? What do I need to do next? Uh, It's easy to be overwhelmed sometimes where I go, I want to be like Jesus. How do I do it? And, And how do I get there? And it's a lifelong journey. And so because it's a lifelong journey, you don't have to be today who you're going to be in 10 years, but you do need to figure out what are my next steps today in my journey to become more like Jesus in 10 years. And so we are all on this journey together. And today we're going to focus on the inward piece, how we are changing. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have signed up for a lifelong renovation process. 
And I don't like renovation processes, but I love the finished product. And I actually do appreciate them more as I get older. I do find it kind of fun. But we're talking about the inward piece. Has anyone here ever been on a cleanse? Have you ever done that? They're the worst. They're just the worst. And, and maybe you haven't formally done a cleanse, but maybe you've done some fasting. And I've done lots of fasting in my life. And so uh, in a cleanse, if you're doing a cleanse for health reasons, it's usually something where you say, you know, for the next 10 days or, or you know, 30 days or whatever, I'm doing no sugar, I'm doing no carbs or, or no certain kinds of carbs. I'm just doing, you know, fruits and veggies and proteins. And I'm just trying to kind of purge my body of all the caffeine and all of the sugar and all of the, the preservatives and all the junk that we put in there. Um, fasting maybe isn't done for health reasons, but you say for spiritual reasons, I'm going to lay aside this guilty pleasure food or I'm going to lay aside uh, certain things in order to just kind of clear my mind and clear my body so I can be focused on the Lord. So in fasting, um, and I, I never do fasting right in this way. It's, it's as you're getting ready to say, hey, I'm going to do, you know, three days of, of intense fasting for the purposes of prayer. Um, and what you should do in that case is kind of wean yourself off stuff and start to get ready. I go in the opposite direction and I say like, hey, it's the night before my fast, better load up now. And then the next day, your body starts to go, hey, all the chips and pop and stuff you drank last night uh, isn't just going out of your system just like that. And so as you begin to fast and you're going, okay, I'm pressing into the Lord and I'm spending this time with him and I'm focusing on him, your body starts to go, Aah! That's the exact noise my body makes. <laughs> and so when your body is, is getting rid of stuff, it's not necessarily the funnest process. Like you're, you're used to these things. It takes some time. But then there's a, a, like a switch gets flipped at some point along the way. And then you're like, I feel amazing. I'm never touching sugar again. Like there's something that happens where there's a, there's a release and it's like, okay, so the, the process of, of wrestling my body to that point isn't always maybe the, the most fun. Like there's, there's a, a process that happens there and then it gets so, 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 so good. Uh, and then most of us, when the cleanse is over, go right back to our old habits and, and forget the lessons that we've learned. But when it comes to the inward piece of this, we, again, we're on this lifelong journey and it's not just about I want to know more scripture or I want to pray more or I want to know more about the Lord. That's crucial. We talked about that last week. We who follow Jesus are supposed to be transforming over time. We are supposed to be renovating. We are supposed to be changing. And part of that is cleansing. It's getting rid of the stuff in us that's not good and filling ourselves more with the things that are good so that we can be more holy. We can look more like Jesus. And so as we talk about the inward peace today, and we're going to get into our text now, um, we're talking about this process by which we are being changed to people who look more and more like Jesus. Sometimes that involves us giving up stuff. Sometimes that involves us having to do some work and, and wrestle through some things. Sometimes that involves uh, some intentional focus on, on healing and, and transformation. Uh, all of it involves pressing in closer to the Lord, which again, we talked about last week. And as we draw closer to the Lord, we begin to change more and more inside. So let's take a look at our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we are starting in verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So Christ's followers are people who change. We are people who are being changed. We are people who are being transformed. That's a good thing. That's a good thing in anybody. But for those of us who are following after Jesus, we trust that he is the one doing the changing as we walk with him. And so uh, there's a term, there's different terms that get used for this. In the Pentecostal church where I grew up, we used to call it sanctification, uh, the process of, of being made sanctified or being made holy. Um, some use the, the simpler word, 
word discipleship, that as we walk after Jesus, we become more like him. The word that gets used a lot these days, this is what my schooling emphasized, is spiritual formation. That's the term that we use to call it. So here's my definition of spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is the ongoing process in which we who are sinners are transformed by the Holy Spirit into people who look increasingly like Jesus. So we are on this journey. It is ongoing. We don't arrive until we see Jesus face to face. It is an ongoing thing that we are a part of. We are being transformed. We don't do it ourselves. We can't, you know, through our hard work and enterprise, make ourselves more holy. The Holy Spirit is doing the work. As he does the work, we over time look more and more like Jesus. That's what we're doing. That's what the spiritual journey is all about. We are being formed, as our passage says today, by the Holy Spirit. And so as we just touch on a couple of the verses, starting back to verse 13, 14, we're bold, Paul says, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. So Paul is tying back to a story from Moses, and he He's sort of metaphorizing something from the Old Testament to make it apply to Christ. And so sometimes people will say to me, you know, when it comes to the Bible, the only way to read it is the literal original context. That's the only possible way it can be considered. You know who doesn't feel that way? Jesus and the apostles who often pull metaphors out of the Old Testament to tie it into the new covenant. And so Paul is reaching back to Moses. When Moses came down off the mountain, his face was glowing with the glory of God, literally glowing. And I don't know what that looks like, but apparently it was so profound that the people were terrified. They were freaking out because he came down from the mountain and there'd been thunder and there'd been all of this manifestation of the glory of God. And as he comes down the mountain, his face is glowing and they didn't want to look at him because they were so, you know, either fearful of the Lord or fearful of what was going on, but they were alarmed by the fact that Moses' face was glowing. And so in order to approach them, he put a veil over his face so that they wouldn't freak out. And the glory there wouldn't last. It would fade over time. And so that's why the passage says the thing that would fade, uh, that wouldn't last. And so Moses would have this veil on to block people from, from seeing the glory on his face so that they wouldn't freak out, so that he could actually share with them what God said. So they wouldn't be so freaked out that they would stop listening to what was going on. And so as Moses is this example of what was happening, uh, Paul goes on to say, verse 15, 16, even to this day when Moses is read, when the law, the Old Testament is read, a veil covers the hearts of those who don't believe, but when everyone, any, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And so In this old time when God was not approachable, there's a veil involved. Paul says, in Jesus, that veil gets taken away. We don't have to be afraid of God. We don't have to be afraid of his glory. We actually can boldly come before the throne of grace. We can actually boldly seek his presence. We can actually boldly be in front of him without worry because in Jesus, the veil is taken away. And, and this picture here that when we don't know the Lord, when we're, when we're uh, not walking with Jesus, that there's a veil that kind of cuts us off from him. But when someone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. And that's our prayer for anyone we love who doesn't know the Lord yet. Lord, take the veil away. That's a biblical prayer that we pray. There is something that blocks us in our sinfulness from seeing the Lord. In Jesus, the veil can be removed. So the person that you love is not going to come to Jesus ultimately because you have this great apologetical argument or because you have uh, loved them in a certain way. Like all of that may contribute, but we all come to Jesus when Jesus takes the veil away. And we see him as he is, and he grants us the faith to believe. So in praying into this passage, pray that for those that you love. Lord, take the veil away that they may see Jesus as he is. Verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we sometimes see people try to claim it. We see it in our American brothers and sisters a little more than in Canada. Um, Yeah, this is about freedom, American freedom, right? America, woo, freedom! 
The Lord is the spirit where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. This verse has literally nothing to do with our political rights and freedoms, just to be clear. And to use it in that way is to corrupt what this is about. It has nothing to do with political opinions or if you like this party or that party or this leader or that leader, it is not about our political freedoms in any way. The Lord is the spirit. So this is one of the verses where we would say, where do we get the idea of a trinity that God exists in three parts? Why do we think the Holy Spirit is the Lord? Because of this verse, right here. The Spirit is the Lord, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Wherever the Spirit is moving, He is bringing us to freedom. Wherever God is at work, it should be bringing us to a greater place of freedom. Now, what kind of freedom are we talking about? Because it's not the freedom that we like as humans, which is, I want to do whatever I want, and I want to live my life the way I want to live it. And I don't want anyone to tell me what to do, and including the Lord. I, I want to, if I want to sin, I want to sin. And it's easy to take grace way too far down that road. And Paul would write uh, in Corinthians, he would write to the church uh, in the previous letter in 1 Corinthians, and he would talk to them about this very problem. He'd be saying, paraphrase, you are using the grace of God as a license to sin. And that's not what this freedom is all about. It's not a freedom to do whatever you want. It's not a freedom that says there's no longer any standards. It is a freedom from the things that were binding us up. We are free from death. We are free from sin. We are free from condemnation. We are free to know the Lord better. We are free to walk in his ways. We are free to love better. We are free to holiness. Wherever the spirit is at work, he is bringing us into this place of greater and greater freedom in Jesus to walk with Jesus, to be full of the Holy Spirit, and to walk in greater depth and intimacy with him. That's the freedom that we are promised, that I get to more and more leave my sin behind, that I get to more and more leave my junk behind, that I get to more and more leave my past behind, that I get to more and more experience him and be full of his love and his grace and his peace and his power in greater and greater and greater ways. It is the freedom to be fully free in Jesus. And wherever the Holy Spirit is at work, that's what's happening. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. He brings us into greater freedom in Christ. If it is bringing us into greater condemnation, if it's bringing us into greater uh, legalism, if it's, it's binding us up in any way, we should rightly question why do we think that's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit has come to bring us to freedom in Jesus, freedom for him. Verse 18, we all with unveiled faces, unlike Moses, contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so whereas Moses went up and it was scary and he came down the mountain and it was scary, that's not us. We are invited to boldly come before the throne of grace, that we are invited right into his presence. We get to contemplate the Lord's glory without being afraid. There is no veil for us. We don't need to worry about that. It's amazing when we are filled with the Spirit. It's amazing when that shines out of us. It's amazing. It's not a fearful thing. So we are different than Moses in that way. And so as we are doing that, we are being transformed into his image, with ever-increasing glory. And we talk about following after Jesus a lot. Uh, 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, we actually have to live like Jesus lived. And so we often talk about following Jesus. Part of the invitation of Jesus was he said, come follow me. So we want to go and look at how Jesus taught and, and how he loved people and, and what made him angry and what made him happy and, and how did he engage. And we say, I want to be like that. I want to follow that example. I want to live my life in the footsteps of Jesus. But it's actually so much more than that. It's not just about following after Jesus. It's about we are being transformed into people who look more and more like Jesus. It's not just that we are doing the actions and imitating him. That is part of it. But we are actually being transformed. And the word we use for that is Christ-likeness, to be like Christ, not just in our actions, but actually from the inside out. It's a totally different thing. It's not just about here's a set of rules for you to follow, and here's an example for you to follow. That's part of it. But it's actually the promise of what was coming in Jesus was it's going to be God changing you from the inside out, not just calling you and saying, hey, do better at doing the things. 
and we want to do better at doing the things. But it's God transforming us from the inside out. The promise of the new covenant was this. This was before Jesus came, pointing to what was coming in Jesus. Jeremiah 31, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. So no longer just an external list of do's and don'ts. God's actually going to change our minds. He's going to change our hearts with his word. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That's what we get to walk in today. Jeremiah was looking forward to it. We get it now. And so a time was coming, Jeremiah says, where it's not just going to be about God has a standard and he wants you to live it. It's about God's going to transform you from the inside out. Your mind will change. Your heart will change. You will know the Lord personally and all your sins will be washed away. That's the blessing of what has been done for us in Jesus. That's better than what Moses got to experience. Moses longed for what we get to experience today. Because even though Moses knew the Lord and even though he saw that glory, Moses didn't know what it felt like to truly have your sins washed away entirely. Moses didn't know what it looked like to have God give you a new mind and give you a new heart. And so we are on this journey. And if you're, you're looking at this stuff and saying like, oh, I can think of a lot of ways in my life life where I don't look a lot like Jesus, then you are, congratulations, perfectly normal because we're all in process. And again, we don't need to figure out if, you know, where I'm at today is here and down the road, it's perfect Christ-likeness. And how am I getting from there to there over the years to come? We're not worried about that whole journey and how we're going to get there. We're worried about what are my next steps today? In that direction, as we are seeking to follow more and more after Jesus. And so, as we are, are focusing on the, the inward peace, we're looking primarily at two areas. One is holiness and one is healing. Holiness and healing. And these things tie in together. I have learned that um, our, our healing is crucial to our holiness because often it's in our pain and in our, our baggage that we turn to unhealthy things in order to make ourselves feel better. And so our holiness is crucial to our healing. Our healing is crucial to our holiness. These things go together. So when we talk about holiness, uh, I've used this example with you before. The word holy, just at its most basic level, means different. It means set apart. It means not unlike the rest. It's a thing that doesn't look like the rest of the things. And so in the Old Testament, they had a temple, and there were all of these elements of the temple that were were holy. Uh, This is the holy bread, and this is the holy curtain, and this is the holy of holies. And it's that these were different things than anything else in life. They were not like the bread you normally ate. It wasn't like a curtain that you had in your house. It wasn't like a part of the building uh, that you have in your own uh, buildings elsewhere. It was everything about it was different and set apart and dedicated to God. And so to be holy, when the Bible talks about God being holy, it's that he is so different than anything else. He is so above anything else. He is so set apart from anything else. And when scripture calls us to be holy, it's the same thing, that we are to be different. We are to be set apart. We are not to look like the other things that are around us. And so in a culture, and we all live in a culture, every culture, uh, every Christian has lived in a culture at some point or at some time, every culture has ways that it pulls you in directions that aren't in line with what God wants from us. The world around us is constantly uh, yanking us to to compromise this or to look more like that. And and we have to walk this tightrope of living in the world, but not of the world, that we are, uh, we're in the world enough that they'll listen to us when we talk about Jesus and we have some impact and influence, but we are not being consumed by it. We're not compromising. And so we are to look different. And when we talk about holiness, uh, again, just the kind of classic sort of evangelical Christian view of that word as it relates to us often can be boiled down to, well, here's a list of things we do and here's a list of things we don't do. And there's a part of that that is crucial. As followers of Jesus, there are things we do and there are things we don't do. Absolutely. And yet, I I really believe holiness is so much deeper than that. It it means not just, yes, there are things that we we seek after, and there are things that are sin, and we are are avoiding those things, but it's also, man, what does it mean to be holy and loving, like to be the most loving people on earth and look different than any other love that's out there? What does it mean to be holy and generous 
and, and even though there is generosity out there in the world, to have that look so much different than, than anyone else, to, to follow the fruit of the Spirit, you know, down these trails of, of love and joy and peace and patience and go, okay, well, I, I know unbelievers who are patient. What does it mean to be holy and patient, that we look different even in our patience than anyone else in the world, that God is setting apart people who look different than everybody else, and part of that would be our witness to this world, where we say, because of Jesus, I am like this. I have this love. I have this joy. I have this peace. It is there, and and God is doing this work in me, and it's a way that I am looking different, not just because I don't do X, Y, and Z, uh, that as well, but more than that, that to be holy and set apart. And again, if you're sitting here thinking, like, well, what do I need to do? Like, what do I need to, how do I earn that? How do I make that happen? That's not the point. The point of it is the Holy Spirit does this in us. Our job is to press into him, and he does the work in us to make us holy, to set us apart. And so this will include some intentional things uh, like reflection and honesty, being honest about the sin in our lives. We're very good at making excuses. We're very good at, at making it about, well, other people are worse than me or whatever, but just being honest, reflecting honestly on, on where are my faults and where am I falling short and what am I not living up to. Uh, AA has a daily inventory as part of their practice, but the Christians came up with that a long time ago, where it's just like daily through, through the examine or, or other spiritual exercises to say, okay, Lord, where did I fall short today? And where did I do well today? Where am I growing? And, and where do I still need some work? Through confession, the Bible says we are to confess our sins to one another, that that is something that we are called to do. I would rather keep it to myself and not let anybody know what's going on inside of me. And yet at the same time, there is such power and freedom that come when we find somebody that we trust, a safe place where we can say, I am struggling with this. And and with that comes accountability then. Somebody is there to hold you to account and ask how you're doing and to pray with you and to part with you in it. No one needs to tackle sin by themselves. We are meant to do it with other people. Supporting one another, cheering one another on, being willing to self-sacrifice, to follow after Jesus, we need to give up some things sometimes and be willing to do that. There's an intentionality to it and then making good choices along the way. There's many more, but there's just a few things in this area. And the understanding that, uh, again, we don't need to figure it out all by ourselves. The psalmist prayed, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That, uh, that David acknowledges, I can't figure me out by myself, and, and I'm, I'm prone to self-deception, and I'm prone to cover things up, and I'm prone to deflect. And, and so, Lord, I need your help. Search me and know. Show me. Let me see what you see and and show me where I move forward from there. Lead me in the way everlasting. And so we are seeking to grow in holiness. And then the healing piece has to do with just where is our heart at? Where are our souls at? You can't live this life without getting beat up. You, you can't. It's not possible. Even if we've grown up in the best of situations, even if we've had lots of love and support, even if we never lacked for much growing up, uh, life just beats us up along the way. There are words that hurt. There are, are trials that we go through. We lose people that we love. There is pain along the way. It, it's just the, the brokenness of the world that we live in. And so we, we all carry hurt. We all carry baggage. We all carry wounds. Um, in Isaiah 61, forecasting ahead to the Messiah, uh, it says that he, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And so Isaiah is saying that, uh, pointing ahead to Jesus in Luke 4, Jesus would read this passage in the synagogue and say, that's me. This is being fulfilled in me. And so one of the things that the Messiah came to do, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, and to bind up the brokenhearted, that one of the things that Jesus comes to do is to heal. And we often think of brokenhearted as it relates to, you know, romance, that I had my heart broken by someone, and that hurts to be, to be sure. And yet there are many ways in which, which we get hurt in this life. It's, it's just we, we have falling out with friends, and, and we have words, again, that have come against us, and we, we go through tragedy, and we go through trial, and we go through trauma. We're all carrying stuff, and, and that's the life that we're living in this world. And yet at the same time, Jesus comes then to bind up the brokenhearted. We don't have to carry this stuff forever. 
Jesus comes to bring us into freedom, even from that. And so we go through these things, and, and sometimes it's hard because uh, we're much better at dealing with our physical pain than our emotional pain. We're used to, you know what, if this hurts my body long enough, I'll give it a chance to see if it heals, and if it doesn't, then it's time to go to the doctor, right? Then it's time to, to actually see a professional, and it's time to maybe get some medicine. Like, we're used to that. Uh, the inner stuff is just more complicated, right? And we, we kind of, we put up our walls, and we can sort of numb ourselves and distract ourselves so that we don't feel these things, and, and it's a lot more tricky to be honest with what's going on in here, uh, in our inner world, than it is what's going on in our physical body, and yet uh, the promise that came to David again through uh, Psalm 23 is that he, Jesus, the Lord, restores my soul with everything I've been through in my life, with everything you've been through in your life. The promise of God is that he restores our soul. And when our soul is exhausted and when our soul's been beaten up and when our soul is carrying pain and when, uh, when we've gone through trauma and when we've gone through trials and, and we're feeling battered and we're feeling beaten up, like you can't go through this life without your soul getting, getting hurt along the way. But there is a God in heaven who restores our soul who brings healing to our soul, who brings freedom as we continue to trust in him and walk after him. And so we, there's a question I ask the staff when we sit down for staff meeting, we just go around the room and the question is, how is it with your soul today? Just how's your soul doing? And, and sometimes our souls are doing great, and sometimes our souls are struggling. And, and so we open up and we share, and then we pray for one another. And, and that is the question that's been used by spiritual directors in the church for hundreds of years, just to reflect on how is it with your soul? And to be able to be honest in how we answer that question. Not making excuses, not qualifying things, but really, how am I doing? Uh, Where do I notice anxiety? Where do I notice worry? Where do I notice fear? Where do I notice pain? Where, even if if it's not showing up in that soul-searching or if that's a tough question, where do I notice unhealthy things happening in the way I'm living my life? Where am I leaning on things for comfort that maybe I shouldn't be leaning on? Where am I looking to things that aren't Jesus in order to make me feel better? Where am I seeing my emotions maybe erupt in certain places? Where am I seeing my relationships aren't healthy or as healthy as they could be? Uh, Just to begin to pay attention to these things and say, okay, well, wherever these things are happening, that does not necessarily uh, mean that that's where you're supposed to end up. There's a God in heaven who restores our soul that you don't have to carry these things forever. The, the wounds and hurts of life, we don't have to carry them forever. And one of the things that we began to, to work through over the last few years as a leadership team is, man, as a leadership team, we want to be people who are dealing with their stuff, right? We've all got stuff. We've all got sin. We've all got baggage. We've all got hurts. We want to be a people who are dealing with their stuff and saying, you know what? There is life and there is health promise to us. There is a restoration of our soul that is available, and so we want to seek after that. And that comes through scripture, it comes through prayer, it comes through counsel, it comes through time, it comes through lots of different ways. But God is interested in you being able to leave this behind. You don't have to carry that forever. He comes to restore our soul. I wanted to uh, just bring a a bit of an update, too, because we've talked to you about this a little bit already. Um, There is a a program that was recommended to us by our conference called Soul Care, and, uh, and so we have been exploring it over the last year. And, uh, and leading a few people through it in the church. And, um, and so soul care is uh, it's kind of an inner healing focus on just this whole thing. How do we see our, our souls restored? How do we find more freedom? How do we find more peace? How do we find Jesus in all of it? And how can he do his work in us? And so uh, a couple of questions were raised about soul care. There is, uh, there's a chapter there uh, that deals with the demonic and warfare and deliverance. And, and that is just a kind of a tricky area of theology. We don't really know a lot about demons. We know that they're real, uh, but we don't know a lot about them. And so um, there were some things in that chapter that raised some questions and concerns, and, and yet the rest of the book, um, there's so much stuff that, that is so powerful and exciting about just identity and forgiveness and, and all these healthy healing things that we love so much. And so, uh, so for a little while, we have been using the Soul Care book. Just my, We just laid aside that chapter that we had some questions about 
about. Uh, so we've been going through it as a leadership team. We still have questions about the chapter, and, and I'm not fully comfortable with that chapter itself. And so we are uh, using the parts of it that we really love, because uh, a lot of Christians like to throw out the baby with the bathwater, but that's not us here. We can, we can do that. Uh, and so there's so much of it that's so good. And so we're, we have temporarily been using that and walking people through just the parts of the book that we're really excited about. Um, and uh, to that end, we're working towards writing our own curriculum. We are, are, are moving towards that uh, probably over the next year or so where we will use a lot of the soul care type stuff because it really is good, the stuff that we, that we like about this book. Um, and so we'll, we've been using it kind of as a temporary Band-Aid, and, and we will use it as a bit of a Band-Aid as we work towards creating our own. And, uh, and we're going to uh, just stick a pin in that chapter that, uh, that we have some concerns about and lay that one aside. And so um, we're, not, uh, we're still figuring out kind of how it's all going to look and everything, but, um, but this had come up in the past, and we had wanted just to bring you guys an update of where we're at. And so we are going to have our own Meadowbrook curriculum that we're working on just because we think this is so important. We just think everybody's got stuff that they need to, to deal with. Everybody's got stuff that hurts. Everybody's got sin that they're struggling with. Everyone's got stuff that we need to lay aside. And so if you're not ready for that, that's okay. We're not forcing it on you, but it will be available to anyone who's hearing this and saying, I want my soul restored. I'm looking for more freedom. I, I want to draw close to the Lord in that way and let him do his work in me. I want to look more like Jesus, Ultimately, and if that's you, uh, that is what we're working towards. And so, um, yeah, and join us in praying into that as we continue to to figure that out to navigate that piece. But um, but I, I do think the inner healing piece is important. That Jesus doesn't want us to remain in our pain forever. That there is grace. There's grace for us. He restores our souls. That's who He is. Uh, when I was in school, I had a professor and. Uh, and he was, he taught this sort of thing, prayer and, and different uh, sort of aspects of inner healing and different things. And, um, and he'd been doing it for, you know, 40 years and, and been a pastor for many years, a professor for many years, and had a PhD in, in these things. And uh, so, I mean, I guess, I don't know if anyone can be an expert in the things of Jesus, but if anyone could be an expert, this guy's an expert in this stuff. And we were asking him, just picking his brain in the class of, um, you know, like, what's how do we know what we need to work on? How do we need, how do we know what steps we need to take? Like that could be complicated. Um, you know, what if we see someone who we think, you know, could really use some, some help in these areas and they're either just don't know what it is or they're not sure what to take those steps. And after, you know, 40 years of ministry and, and decades of teaching and giving his life to this area, um, he just said, you know what, it just boils down to one question for me. And he's like, I ask people this question all the time. They will come to me and they will say, my marriage is, is struggling and, and we're not sure what to do. Or they'll say, I'm struggling in my parenting and I'm not sure what steps to take. Or we've just come out of this traumatic season and I don't know, you know what to do or where to go next. And, uh, and, and just whatever the struggle is. I'm, I'm struggling with this sin. I'm, I'm struggling with this, this worry or, or whatever. And he just asks this question. And it's the same question that I'm going to ask you today. Aren't you tired of feeling this way? Like, do you want to keep carrying that forever? Right? Do you, do you want the marriage to keep struggling? Do you want to keep fighting with this sin? Do you want to carry the pain of the trauma that you've been through? Like, the, the pain we carry in our lives, lots of it's not our fault. Like, it's stuff that's happened to us, right? Sometimes it is our fault and our choices, but sometimes it's just stuff we've been through, and, um, and that's just life. That's just what happens. And yet, uh, you might not be responsible for, for why it happened, but you are responsible for getting healing if you want it, or remaining in it if you'd rather stay in it. But aren't you tired of feeling this way? Like, how long do we want to carry these things for? And if you don't want to carry these things, then maybe it's time to take a step towards freedom, take a step towards healing, take a step towards holiness. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done here. So as we talk about upward, inward, outward, that we are, are maturing upwardly in our relationship with him, we are growing inwardly as we are being transformed, we're growing outwardly as we love others, and we'll get to that one in a couple weeks uh, after we have our Mission Sunday and Thanksgiving. We're here to help you take your next steps in Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't. It's overwhelming to think about having it all figured out. But the question is, what's your next step today? 
if we want to take a step in the right direction towards Jesus in all of these things. And so I'm going to give you some suggestions of just the types of things that this might include, and then we're just going to pause with the Lord for a minute and, and just let him uh, speak to us. And so um, here are some things this can look like as we're seeking to grow inwardly. It might be as simple as asking for prayer. And I know that sounds like such a small thing, but I, I do think, especially in sensitive areas, there is something in us that doesn't like to open up and, and ask for that. We have prayer people here every Sunday. Sunday who will pray for you confidentially. They, they won't be sharing what you share with them. Maybe it's simple as finding a partner or a prayer buddy that you can connect with. But maybe it's just, hey, I'm struggling in this area. Can you start to pray for me? Can we be humble enough to reach out in that way? Maybe it's finding someone to talk to about your sin struggle, someone you can confess your sin to, to stand with you and partner with you. Maybe it's meeting with a counselor. There's a large number of things the Lord and I can deal with all by ourselves, but sometimes I need that outside perspective. I need somebody who sees it differently, who's trained, who knows some things. I'm a big believer in Christian counseling. I've been transformed through it. Uh, maybe it's getting an accountability partner, saying, hey, there's a sin area that I'm struggling with. I'd love you to, to check in on me from time to time to help me walk through it. There is freedom that happens when we take what hides in the darkness and we bring it out into the light. Maybe it's engaging with an inner healing course or a book and, and exploring something along those lines. Maybe today is a day where you go, you know what, I'm, I really need to get serious about that sin. I really need to, to leave that behind and I'm going to figure out a way to do that with the Lord. Maybe there's marriage counseling that would be helpful for your situation. Maybe it's as simple as joining a life group and going, hey, I've been walking with Jesus by myself. I actually need to do this with some other people so that I have some support in my journey to walk after Jesus together. There's many other possibilities beyond just this list. Here's just a few things to get you thinking. And so our question today is just going to be, Lord, uh, what's my next step in this area? And maybe it's something on the list. Maybe it's something that he's just going to lay on your heart right now. But we're just going to quiet ourselves. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And Lord, we just set aside ourselves for you in this moment. We are not uh, trying to come up with anything on our own. So we just give you our minds right now. We give you our hearts. We just give you all of our focus. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to bring something to mind for each person here. What is the next step? What is a step we can take? We don't have to have it all figured out, but what's next? What's one move towards health and holiness as we walk after Jesus and focus on this inward peace? So Holy Spirit, as we sit here, just bring that to mind now in Jesus' name. a thought came to mind as, as one of them settled, by all means, pray into that a bit and, and see if it still settles. But, uh, but beyond that, what's a, a way for you to take a step in that direction as you get ready to head out into your week? Uh, everything we talked about today, there's a reason we've done it in the order upward, then inward, then outward, is that we don't ever want it to be about us on our own, making things happen. It starts with upward as we draw closer to Jesus, then the inward work happens as we seek to, to go after him in these areas. So I am going to ask you to stand to your feet as we get ready to close, as we connect with him upwardly in worship, as we invite him to do his work in us inwardly.